Hi there, skating fans. Welcome to another edition of the Skate Canada Alumni Podcast. On this month's alumni blog, let's welcome former national team member Norm Proft as he introduces, visits, laughs, and reminisces with his former coaches, Olympic and world coaches Jan and Cynthia Olmark. It's an in-depth conversation with two of Canada's most historic and celebrated coaches as they tell their stories and share their philosophies. Norm, the stage is yours. Hi everyone, I'm Norm Proft, and I'm honored to be here today with coaches Cynthia and Jan Allmark. For many skaters, their coach is more than just a coach. They're a role model, parent figure, mentor. The person that motivates you to greatness and challenges you to be the best version of yourself, both on and off the ice. Your coach is the person that, on the best of days, makes you want to get out of bed and train for hours on end in the never-ending pursuit of excellence and personal fulfillment, and while on those worst days, gives you the answers and feedback you probably don't want to hear. They are there for you through all of your ups and downs, the blood, the sweat, the tears, and with you every kiss and cry, uh, for each joyful hug or each cry. They pick you up, they support you in your pursuit of your dreams, and when the final note sounds on your final performance, have hopefully helped you become a better version of yourself. To generations of skaters, Cynthia and Jan have been that and, and so much more. Uh, I know this because I'm honored to count myself amongst their students. Cynthia, Jan, uh, welcome to the Skate Canada Alumni Podcast. Thanks, Norm. Thank you. It's an honor to be asked. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I, when, I, when I was looking at the introduction for today's call, um, there was a whole bunch of things that I wanted to tell everybody about you, you know, what your history is as coaches, your history as people in the sport. But I thought, you know what, let's let people hear it from you directly. So I guess, Cynthia, um, I would start with you. Uh, why don't we start with your time as a skater? Tell us about your, uh, your time as a skater out in, uh, out in Vancouver. Well, I started skating at three years old because the doctor told my parents that I had weak ankles. And he said, he said <laughs> if skating might be the best thing to help strengthen them. Now, you're, you're, you're speaking to a person that wore orthopedic shoes until <laughs> she was about 10. So, uh, yeah, skating did definitely uh, strengthen my ankles. Uh, probably would have been a better free skater had my or jumper athlete had my ankles been stronger in the first place however it it became my my life until now uh and i'm quite an age <laughs> and uh, i i guess what everybody wants to know right now how are the ankles doing right now the ankles are good because i do a lot of hiking biking skiing etc so yeah, i think you're also a runner too aren't you that too yes <laughs> so so yawn uh give us a uh, give us some history where uh, tell us about your skit time as a skater well, uh, you know, I'm from Sweden and uh, I did all sports when I was young and not one particularly. I played hockey, I swam, I skied cross country, downhill, uh, I did gymnastics, I did everything. And I really hadn't picked any sport to succeed except uh, skiing, I guess, early. Because uh, we lived in a mountain town where there was a ski hill five minutes from our 
house and um, and then um, we had uh, uh, skating on uh, the schedule at school I played hockey of course but I have schedule schedule on the um, on the skating uh, at school it's for skating like one of our activities in PE and then um, one day we were skating and I was not young I have was 12 years old uh, or so and one of the girls of figure skated said that oh you're a really good skater you should try figure skating and I said nah I'm not going to do that and at the same time I was playing hockey and my dad was had been a hockey player and uh, we had the discussion at home and of course he was not too keen on it but um, uh, my mom said well you know if he wants to do it let him do it so I was actually 13 years old when I started figure skating. I was very fortunate because I had um, a really good coach in the beginning who actually was the cousin of Sonia Henye. Her name was Marit Henye. And she came as a guest coach to our club when we only had naturalized at the time. And then my first summer school, I went to south of Sweden. And believe it or not, my first summer coach was Per Larsen, who I later was a coach in Vancouver. And uh, people predicted that I had some ability, I guess. And then uh, they suggested that I should take it more serious. And the following winter, I started having lessons with Gundy Bush, who was a Swedish, I mean, a former German world champion who was married to a Swedish hockey player. And she suggested that the next summer I should go to England and take from Mr. Gershweiler, Arnold Gershweiler. And from then on, I did. And uh, I was there until I retired from skating. I actually only skated for eight years. So that was in 1968. And I accomplished to be three times national senior champion, competed in European Championship, competed in the World Championship, except I never got to compete in the Olympics because I broke my ankle in Christmas of 1967. So it seems like ankles are a recurring theme throughout this, uh, this interview today. Um, so, uh, Cynthia, um, now it's uh, your chance to blow your own horn. Uh, some of your personal accomplishments that you had as a skater. Well, the, I'll start at the end because the funny thing was that that same Jan and I may have met each other a lot earlier had we both been in the 1968 Olympics because that year I um, put a blade right into my leg and or actually it was earlier and I then that that year I did not compete and we had Olympic trials in those days they didn't go by the nationals they had Olympic trials before Christmas and. Uh, I probably would have won the figures and then probably come second or third because Karen would have then won the free skate. <laughs> Karen Magnuson. Uh, and <laughs> for our history buffs up here, there, yes, that's Karen Magnuson. <laughs> would have been going to Olympics in 1968 and Jan, had he not broken his ankle, we would have met there. <laughs> yeah, so, so it, was, it was fated to happen is what you're saying. Uh, but so um, for my career, I first I took from um, Austrian Eddie Rada at the Vancouver Skating Club right from day one in group lessons. And um, I really credit him with giving not only me, but all of his pupils a love of figures. We all love to skate. And that came from him. And I kept... Uh, 
studying under him for years and years. And then he went back to Austria and I took from Helmut May in the meantime, who's also Austrian. And most people know um, Helmut May because he was also a very high profile coach and one of my mentors. And Helmut May, who is currently in the Skate Canada Hall of Fame as well, of course. That would be him. <laughs> and um, I, after I hurt my leg, Mr. Rada and I both who have um, that red hair temper had trouble getting along. And so <laughs> I switched to Linda Brockman, who is well known as Karen Magnuson's coach and also an excellent technician. And I credit her with my better technical knowledge as a coach. So I say Eddie Rada taught me to love to skate. And then Linda worked on technique. And so that I think, oh, and then she also had me teach for her when she would go off to Worlds with Karen. That's how I started teaching by accident. And so, so you've both mentioned such a rich history of coaches that you both had a chance to work with. Um, and Jan, I'm going to come back to you first on this one. Um, what were some of the greatest lessons um, that you received from your coaches? And, you know, as I was saying before, it's not just the on-ice lessons that you receive from your coaches, but it's all the other life lessons that are provided to your coaches that that make our skaters and other athletes such strong individuals. So, so Jan, um, again, you listed so many of uh, great coaches that you had in your past. What are some of the things that you remember about them that really made you the coach that you became? Well, I don't remember so much from Mari because that was that was my she was just teaching me, you know, to skate and well, I could skate, but I mean to do a spin and to do a waltz jump and things like that. But she was very very positive. I remember that, and it was always great. And I think. Maybe because I was a guy and I was quite athletic, and I think she took an interest to that, and but stimulated that part. And with um, with uh, um, Gundi, it was uh, she was well, you know, former former world champion. And at the time when we started taking from her, she had just finished the show, being a show skater, and she was quite uh, stylish. And I think she just, uh, it was very modern in her approach with the music she skated to and so on. And I think uh, it still was, you know, like little more, being a little more experimental with stuff that wasn't normal. And uh, to hear in the ear from music, so I thought I contributed with that. And then, of course, Mr. Gershwin was, it was all technique and in in learning how you achieve uh, things and how you stay with certain things until it gets better and advance and sometimes his teaching was maybe a little slow i remember when he was away probably went and tried stuff that we weren't allowed to, to do for him because he didn't think we were ready and you know and i had and it was a good a uh, group of people. I mean, he taught the 1964 Olympic champion. There was John Curry, who was just at the beginning of his career. And there was a lot of international skaters there. And I think uh, it was a good uh, environment. And uh, he was very strict, but still he had a good sense of humor. But on the ice, it was he was in charge. And off the ice, uh, there was a little more um, uh, friendship. 
And Cynthia, you talked as well about some of the things that um, <clears throat> that you uh, received through your coaches. Um, how were some of the ways that uh, the coaches that you took from Dr. Helmut May, Eddie Rada, Linda Brockman, what were some of the things that they provided you that influenced how you approached your coaching relationships with your students? I, that's an excellent question, Norm, because I give all three of them credit for being the the ultimate professionals. Um, none of them came out on the ice with a cup of coffee in their hand or a cigarette, although Linda did smoke. She never did on the ice. And they all, Mr. Rada wore a tie every day, every day. He he taught us to say good morning. If we didn't say good morning, we had to do 50 plies, you know. <laughs> we strengthen get, up those ankles. We didn't get a lesson if we didn't say good morning at 5 o'clock a.m. <laughs> I think, it, yeah, it, it was likely the European influence on good manners and so on. And I have to say that... Um, the, all of them were um, exceptional mentors. And um, although Mrs. Brockman, you know, <laughs> I can tell you this, the reason I ended up quitting skating just before the Olympic trials was I got in a fit one day and I said, well, I might as well just quit. And then she said, okay, then quit. And so I did. And that was probably not the wisest decision in my life. But <laughs> well, to generations of skaters that had the opportunity to have you as a coach, for us, it was an incredibly fortuitous decision. <laughs> yeah. But no, totally. I, and they, they didn't. I mean, Jan and I, um, well, we're, we've been working all these years because we, we, did, we weren't coaching for the money. And I, nor do I think. Linda, Eddie, or Helmet were doing either. So uh, coming back to the to the coaching. Um, so now we've we've had some some great uh, talks about the coaches that you both took from. Uh, we've heard a lot about your careers as skaters. And Cynthia, I think you uh, you mentioned that. Uh, of course, you you decided to leave skating basically in a <laughs> in a fit of peak. Um, so talk about what was it that attracted the two of you to becoming coaches? And I guess Cynthia, I'm going to start with you on this one. So how did you end? How did you then become a coach? Well, as I said, um, Mrs. Brockman had been asking me to teach for her when she was away in the spring, because when Karen would go to Worlds, uh, Mrs. Magnuson would go as well. And then Linda, Karen and Gloria Magnuson would go on the it, it, what you now have as the <clears throat> what's the nation's it was called. Well, it was the eyes the shows. And they would be gone for a couple of months at least every spring and so I was learning my craft as I was still skating a bit myself and going to university and um, how I ended up teaching more full-time was that the one of the coaches at the North Shore Winter Club who taught the national skating test program which would be now CanSkate on the small ice because we had two ice surfaces Judy Peckinpah um, she fell pregnant and with her first child and was unable to complete the season. So they asked me if I would step in for her. And as a result, I ended up with all kinds of young skaters that I brought through the NST. Um, Bruno Del Maestro may be a name that you're familiar with. <laughs> <laughs> well, both Bruno Del Maestro and NST. And again, for those history buffs out there, the NST program is now what we call CanSkate. Exactly. And Beth McDonald was another one, and she became an international judge. Um, 
in any case, at, at some point, um, the these skaters developed into such a, well, they were getting so good that now I was allowed to teach on the big ice <laughs> and keep these skaters. And I ended up having, you know, 20 pupils and I didn't have time then to complete my studies. So the university degree that I started in 1971 is still in progress. And what's that degree in? Well, the, now it used to be English literature when I first started. Then, it, you know, and I've taken a million things, including um, I, I had an international coaching apprenticeship grant in the 19 in the late 80s. And uh, um, with that, I took kinesiology courses and um, any in any case, it's now a bachelor of general studies, arts and sciences. And I'll, I should be finished in a year. <laughs> so, um, Jan, I, I'm going to hopefully come back to you in a second because your coaching journey not only involves a transition from active in the sport to coaching, but also a change of country. But, um, Cynthia, you know, you're talking about the journey that you've had with your education. Um, as coaches, there's always um, advancements to the technique that, uh, that come along in the sport, advancements to understanding how to develop the athlete, how to develop the athlete psychologically. So in the role of the coach one always has to be constantly learning um because you've uh, had this uh, wonderful experience with your education i'm wondering if you could talk a little bit to how important you see the role of constant learning in the role of a coach to make sure that you're the the best resource you can be for your students oh i think it's paramount and this is what um well one of my mentors the late barbara graham who i would say had this the role that Michael Slipchuck has now. Mm. Uh, can you say that, Jan? More or less. And I, I, I think so. She, yeah, she was the she was a great um, boost to the young coaches, Doug Lee included, who's also my age. When we were young, um, it was difficult to break into to the into the the coaching scene at the higher levels among the other coaches. But she would see if we would if we put out students that were doing well and winning competitions, she gave us credit and she came um, to my aid and um, pointed out that there was this international apprenticeship um, grant available because I had, at that time, I had two very good female skaters and it looked like they may be international within the year. And I had not been a coach at an international level and she thought this would be excellent. So this is it was wonderful and I did some apprenticing with Carla Fossey in the US I um, I was able to choose um, many wonderful coaches uh, Sheldon Galbraith was another one that um, I was able to go and teach under and listen to and get advice from with uh, great help and I, I would highly recommend that that we have a kind of a mentoring system nowadays and if people are young coaches are willing to go and ask for help. Most coaches are more than happy to give it. Yeah, I think I, I think I would agree that most of our coaches here in Canada, they're, uh, they're more than willing and happy to share the information that they have. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. So, so Jan, your coaching journey as well. So, so again, you've transitioned from the sport, you've transitioned into coaching. And of course, you, you made the transition across the Atlantic Ocean. Can you tell us about that? Well, that's not really how it happened. Um, <laughs> when I finished skating and I didn't get to go to Olympics, uh, I decided to go to school. 
and I did that, and I was uh, did a, a business degree, and then during that time, I was asked to coach some skaters because I had been sort of a prominent skater in our country, and one of them was actually Lisa Kinding. She was one of my first students, and I taught them in the morning and late at night, and um, and then that I did that till. 1970, 1972, and then during that time, um, I, 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 I was, you know, you make an assessment, and I thought I was pretty good at it, <laughs> so I, because the kids learn stuff, and then at the same time, I got interested to learning more, so I started taking, without outside my study, I started taking anatomy class, biomechanics, physiology, and of course, in Stockholm, there was the great facility where some of the major physiologists of the the science we use even today was teaching and founding. And you got a lot of good information that you can relate to how to teach. And we also took a course in um, in, in uh, um, what was it called? Uh, I can't remember what's it called. It's it's the pedagogy. science, yeah, pedagogy. It's the science of teaching, which I think is one of the things that's missing the most in this country. That because it's how to approach it and how to divide it in how to learn and at skill. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's another thing. So then, so then in then in we didn't have that much ice in Sweden, and so in I wanted to go and try to do this full time. So I approached for a job in Canada and it ended up being in Lethbridge and they were very nice. They gave me a decent salary that I can actually live on. And I started with a club that, that had only been test skaters. And at the end of my time there, I had some national competitors, some people have won Canada Winter Games. So uh, that was that, and then uh, I had a girlfriend at the time who came, and we were there about 76, 77, and she wanted to go back to Sweden. We went back to Sweden, and then we broke up, and then I got approached by the Royal Glenora, so I came to the Royal Glenora in 1979, and that's where I've been for 37 years. So, so now, uh, now we're going to start talking about uh, the the coaching. If we think about the two of you as coaches, um, if you're going to talk about some of the most important attributes a coach should have, um, obviously technical competency and an understanding of the sport is paramount. But beyond that, I was hoping I could get the two of you to talk about about the uh, what you feel are some of the most important attributes that a coach should have. And Cynthia, I think I'm going to start with you again on this one, if that's possible. Well, as um, some people may have heard of Jack Donahue, he was the famous American basketball coach, and he's the one that gave that triangle of success. And one of the things he always said, and I think it's it bears true here, it's it's not how much you know, it's how much you care. <laughs> but in spite of how much you know, if you don't care or have that feeling, that I think you have to be able to give a skater the confidence to know that you care about them as a person and not just as a student who is expected to win or perform in a, like a trained monkey. <laughs> Does that make sense? 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jan, uh, anything you'd like to add? Well, um, you know, it's like I have taught a lot of skaters that accomplished a lot. And I must say that I never started with them thinking that they were going to be world Olympic Canadian champion. And um, yet you've taken, I, and I yet you've both taken skaters to, to that level. I just taught them how to skate every year and they got better and better and better. And suddenly, yeah, they were there. But yeah. that, that, I think that's, it's just that you cannot forget the beginning, how the fundamentals work. You know, I think back to the years that I had the opportunity to train at the Royal Glenora Club uh, and previous to that with you, Cynthia, at the North Shore Winter Club, um, there were skaters of all levels that were on the ice um, from, you know, recreational skaters all the way up to world and Olympic competitors. And yet um, the vast majority of us left the sport feeling like we had fulfilled our goals, um, no matter what the level we got up to. Um, so how did you manage to be so successful and continue to be so successful at managing that coach-athlete relationship? So regardless of the level of success that a particular skater may have, they leave the sport feeling fulfilled um, with their experiences within the sport. And y'all, I'm going to throw that one over to you first. Well, um I don't know. I think it is like Cynthia said. They have you have to. They have to feel that you care, and you have to do that extra little stuff that means that they know that you care. And I think that's one of the most important things. And the other thing is that they you have to make everybody feel important. And and even if it is just learning something simple or learning something really hard, you still have to approach it in the same way. And I think also showing the athlete that they trust you in your knowledge. They, they you know what you're doing, not because you've done it before, but even, you know, when you have to learn somebody a new skill that you never have taught before, because I mean, I learned a lot from the athletes because there was lots of things that I didn't do and they are doing. And you always question them. What did you think of? And then you build up, you know, that uh, material and that knowledge inside you. So you can transfer to another skater uh, what you learn from that one. If they are identical in in movement, strength and, you know, uh, uh, and flexibility, whatever you want to in, in, uh, use in that sense. So I think that's how you build the confidence because they know uh, if I work on this, I'm going to do this. And I think that is important that the athlete feels that you can do that and they don't have to go to another coach. Uh, Cynthia, which, earlier. Some, which sometimes is needed. Cynthia, earlier on, you talked about a famous triangle and Jack Donahue. There's another triangle that we talk about in the sport. And we've talked so far about the relationship between the coach and the athlete. But of course, there's also a relationship between the coach and the parent, um, which is another very important one to be uh, to be effectively managing uh, to make sure that the athlete is getting the most out of their time within the sport. Um, you've, uh, through many years of coaching, could you tell me how you always try and approach the coach-parent relationship? It's different with different parents because every parent has a different attitude. And um, 
I, I do feel like even before this interview, I, re- I had said to myself, I want to make sure I talk about the parents because it's so important to have supportive parents. And I think that in any field, um, in any sport, the, it's, it's very difficult for the athlete to carry on and move up the ladder without parental support. And um, hopefully the parent is supporting the athlete by cooperating with the coach. Um, Jan is always, he's, he's really good at this. And um, he, he has always said that if the parent does too much of the coaching, well, then the coach has to become the parent. <laughs> so that is not, that's not going to be the most conducive attitude, uh, um, um, atmosphere. So it's much better to have a supportive parent at home who's, you know, the coach has to sometimes put their foot down and, can't be the skater's best friend you have to have that coach athlete relationship and therefore sometimes when the kid goes home needs a parent to say oh it's okay it's okay you know you just you just um pay attention do what you're told and it'll all work out whereas I know a lot of the times when something goes wrong the parent marches down and this happens in the schools even more these days the parent comes marching in and tells the teacher what they're doing wrong um, which then give, gives the skater reason to doubt what's going on as well. So the relationship with the parent, to put it in a nutshell, should be a calm one where each respects each other's position because e- each family has their own specific um, cultural attitudes as well that one has to respect. We don't all have the same home life and one has to try to understand what's going on at home and the parent has to try to cooperate with her hopefully cooperate with the coach and if there's a problem either way best to be uh sorted out in a convivial manner so uh, so Cynthia, um, you have a whole new group of uh, students these days. You had the opportunity to be team leader to the ISU World Figure Skating Championships on a number of different occasions and a few other team leading um, experiences as well. Um, this sort of puts you into sort of a, a different coaching role with those particular athletes. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about those experiences, some of the highlights, some of the lowlights of just being involved uh, as a team leader for our teams that are traveling overseas? Oh, I absolutely love it because I can be there for every one of them and love them all equally, watch them, admire them, tell them how wonderful they are, uh, speak to them if I have to, um, if the coach asks me. <laughs> I don't like to butt in because the coach is really in charge, but, you know, you want to be there if, if you're needed. And um, I, I found it really a terrific change from being a coach of a student or one or two students at an event because uh, I was able to, um, well, rather than just watch one student and have uh, the pressure of that, I'm able to enjoy everybody. And that for me, that's a big difference. I find (laughs) the pressure of being a coach at at a high level event is a lot different than being a team leader. 
You know, that's an interesting comment. You know, as, as athletes, we all recall the days that we were on the ice and that incredible moment of, of pressure and exhilaration as your music starts and you realize you're out there all by yourself in front of all these people. Um, Jan, I'm going to I'm going to throw this question over to you. You're at the boards at a major championship or even an invitational competition. Your students music has just started. What's that experience like for the coach knowing that, OK, it's all theirs now? Well, it, it is in that <laughs> sense, but at the same time, uh, my my feeling would be depending how we are prepared. If they're prepared well, I don't get any jitters or nerves. If they're not, then I might. <laughs> might be a little more because I said, we're not quite ready for this now. And uh, so let's see how this is going to go. Of course, you have to be positive to that part, but it, it still is. But there's times when you go in with a lot more confidence to the event and you feel, well, this is going to be okay. And it usually is, you know, it usually is. And sometimes you have to, you have to, um, uh, change the focus on them. Uh, you know, like they might, like, I mean, I remember I had one boy who said, I'm so nervous, I'm so nervous. I said, well, you know what, everybody is, everybody else is nervous too. No, you don't understand. I'm more nervous than them. <laughs> and I said, well, I'm glad you measured it because I can't. And Cynthia, you've talked about how important it is for a coach. You've both talked about how important it is for a coach to truly care about their students and to demonstrate how they care about their students. So for you, as that caring coach, what are those moments like between when the skater leaves the boards and you join them again over in the kiss and cry? How is that experience for you? Well, I've learned over the years that the worse they skate, the more important it is to give the big hugs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It should be called the hug and cry. <laughs> yes, because I think that earlier in my career, some you know, I I I have to say that I can remember times, and I've actually seen my face looking terrible when somebody showed me a screenshot later. Um, you know, as being unhappy with the skater's skate. Meanwhile, I've I've in the past, since then have I when I saw that one particular shot. I had to step back and say, oh, my God, who's who's this for anyway? And that made such a big difference early in my career that I was able to then see, OK, now this person, you know, the worse they skate, the more they they need your help. And it's when they're when they're skating great. Everything's fine. It's all roses. But when they don't skate, well, that's when they need you. So you don't want to um, alienate them at that point. Well, you know, the success is the skaters and picking up the pieces job is the coach. That's very good. <laughs> you know, you you both alluded to, you know, that that moment in the kiss and cry, you know, so your skaters had a great skater, had a poor skate on those days where they've had a skate that's not up to what they were hoping for. You know, that ability to be able to tell the skater that, you know, you're certainly you're disappointed in the performance that they just had. You're not disappointed in the individual. Um that must be a very challenging but very fulfilling moment when you're able to be there for that skater in that moment, uh, almost as fulfilling as it is to be beside them when they've had those moments full of great joy. Yeah, I, I agree, because um, not that long ago, I was at the boards for a skater who missed every jump in the Senior Ladies a Short Program event. And 
the the girl was so upset after um, her mother was upset, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the two of us went and sat in the stands together. And I felt like I was I was protecting her because as we went to sit in the stands, everybody turns around and kind of looks, oh, dear, poor thing. Right. And, she, you know, how can the person not know this? So that's when they do that. You have to have them under your wing. And, you know, I might be small, but I keep telling people I have shoulders. <laughs> As everybody that's ever taken from you, we can all attest to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Norman, I've been with you on both occasions. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what are some of the, as, as your skaters are getting to the near the end of their time on the ice, what are some of the important lessons that you hope they leave the sport with? Yon, uh, I'm going to start with you on that one. Well, I think they still love it. And uh, I had a very good comment from uh, a fellow uh, coach a year, not years ago, but 10, 15 years ago. I was, you know, I sort of slowed down when we moved here to Cam, which was Canmore, which is 14 years ago. And um, I was at a competition, a local, um, Alberta. I said, oh, my God. I said, every other coach here said one of my old students. And I sort of was sort of thinking, I don't know what I was thinking, but then an, another older coach came and said to me, well, you should be proud. I said, should I be proud? Yes. Maybe you make them like skating and they're still in it. And then they compared other coaches, students, if they were there and I said, no, they're not. And they said, well, there is your reward. Cynthia? Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and there, that's why we feel like it's very important that we teach people good basics because if our skaters do continue on in the sport, we need somebody around in the next generation that's teaching good basics. That um, because I worry that no one knows how to do, you know, a decent rocker, for example, anymore, or or and so on. So um, I think it's up to us old people to make sure that the young people carry that on. You know, and I remember the years that we trained together at the Royal Glenora Club. Uh, it was always um, it was always a pleasure, um, although it was hard work, to come to the rink on a daily basis. You know, the uh, the training environment that we were all part of, um, it felt safe. It felt positive. Um, we wanted to come to the rink every day, even though we were going to be falling over and over and over again on the moves that we were trying to perfect. Um, what did you two as coaches do to help create uh, that training environment that, that benefited us all so much? Oh, I don't know. There, there was, I mean, I think it was still the same as I said before. They, you had to make them feel that they had, were equals and that they, that everybody was important. And even if you guys, uh, Norman and all of you, mostly everybody took a month off and you came back, like you say, falling and crawling over the ice. And another skater took a month off and came back and skated clean programs. Do you remember her? Oh, yes. <laughs> that was that was probably our American friend, wasn't it? Yes. <laughs> Christy Yamaguchi. <laughs> that, that must have been really terrible for you. By, by seven 10 in the morning on the seven o'clock free skate she had a clean short program in the bag uh the rest of us were still kicking the rust off and finishing off our morning coffee i know <laughs> that was dedication mm -hmm. 
Uh, Cynthia, you know, and uh, again, uh, coming back to the uh, the training environment, um, how important was it for you uh, to make sure that the the environment in which everybody was training, people felt welcome, they felt that uh, everybody had a place there, um, that they wanted to step on the ice? And was there any steps that you took to make sure uh, that the relationships were being managed in such a way that everybody felt welcome out there? Yeah, and I think like Jan had said earlier, everybody has to feel important. And I think that one of the things that I, I think we both do is um, find something amazing about every single person and dwell on that and do not compare them with others <laughs> that may be better in something else. Just say, you know, I think that's important because it is true. Everybody has something amazing. And if you can find that and help if you can help the skater find that within themselves, it makes a big difference. Um, there's two things that I can still remember, though, about the training environment. One, um, you remember Matthew Williams. Yes, of course. Matthew Williams <laughs> would often show up at the rink with his hair uncombed and unshaven, et cetera, et cetera. And my big rule for all of the guys was, and some had more problem than others in this respect, but, you know, for heaven's sakes, shave. Like but I used to say, you you know, you're going to skate how you look. And so come out on the ice in the morning and look decent and maybe you're going to skate OK. So that was one. And then the other one was, um, I don't know if you wouldn't still have been there. This would be the next generation. But uh, Devin Nitschka came on the ice one morning out of that same door down at the end of the rink. And he 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 skated around. And then by the time he had his lesson, he comes over to me and he goes, Oh, he says, I don't know what's going on. I thought this was going to be such a great day, and now nothing's going right. And I can still remember saying, you know, Devin, you're the master of your own destiny. We still joke about that. So those two things, you know, you skate how you look. <laughs> and you'll know that. Remember the time. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> uh, there's two stories about you I want to tell. The first one is you mentioned earlier about, you know, you – um, that it was our job to make an um, environment where you wanted to get up out of bed, and get to the rink in the morning. Well, I used to pick you up at the home that you were boarding at. This was in Coquitlam well, before we went to Edmonton. The and, Sullivan family. Yes. And we had six o'clock patch, if you remember. And I'd come to your door at, and usually the lights would be in the driveway because it would be dark and you'd sometimes come out. But more often than not, I'd have to go in there and sometimes get you right out of the bed and say, get up, get up. Um, yeah. You were probably that age, but it is hard. It is hard. You know, I think, how old were you? Seven, 16? I don't know, 17? I was but, still in high school. So, yeah, probably 16, 17 years old. But, yes, the, uh, the job description of the coach apparently also involves making sure your students are awake and ready yes. to get in the car and go to the rink. Yes. <laughs> I think both Ron and I used to pick skaters up on the way to morning patch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but wait, you got to hear this other story, Norm. You'll remember this one. Skate Canada, Lethbridge. And um, you and um, Kurt were nowhere to be found when the long program was about to be skated. And you were in whatever flight you were in. And... <laughs> We couldn't find you anywhere. Turns out you and Kurt were rollerblading around behind the rink somewhere. And then you came charging in and grabbed your outfit out of the bag that had been rolled up. And you had that. You had a really nice outfit with a vest and pants. And it had 
kind of a, a shirt with chiffon type ivory sleeves. That outfit had been rolled up in the bag since um, Skate Electric, whatever it was called in those days. <laughs> and, and that was in probably November. And when is, and like, I don't know, what was no, it? No, no, it's Skate Electric. Oh, Skate Electric used to be the first October. one. Yes. And then we were at Skate Canada like um, a month or I don't know how much later. And, and the outfit comes out and the sleeves were all scrunched up like something like looked like I couldn't believe it I was so angry and out you went and skated and I don't think you skated <laughs> you actually should have been third in that competition and Matthew from the USA what was his name okay. uh any oh no uh he coaches now he's a good coach okay, well, anyway <laughs> yeah, so you skate how you look yeah I guess yeah, it's, it's, uh, but I, I was going to say about the other thing about feeling uh, that you belong to the, the environment you are. Uh, I don't know if you were there when I had for a couple of years that program we called um, Big Brother in Skating. Oh, yes. You remember that? Oh, yes. So you guys had to give one young skater a lesson once a week. Mm -hmm. And that was for me first to learn what it feels like being a coach. And the next thing was making them feel that they're part of the whole group. No, that was the big brother of skating. Yeah, skating. no, that was a wonderful program. Wonderful program. Um, so um, I guess I'd have to ask now, uh, as you're both um, contemplating uh, retirement from the sport, which actually I hope never happens. Um, what do you hope to be remembered for within the sport? Cynthia, I'm going to start with you on that one. Well, I'm actually retiring from full-time coaching today. This afternoon is my last day um, as a regular coach at the Canmore Skating Club. And I will probably be teaching until next fall again when I'll sub-teach Freon if he goes into Edmonton. So, um I don't know what I want to be remembered for. I, I hope I'm remembered for being a caring coach. Who Smiling. Taught people something. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Well, I never even thought of that before. <laughs> well, while you think about that for a second, Jan, how about you? I, I, have, I have never thought of anything to be remembered for. Oh, yeah, that my students knew that I can do double loop a lot. <laughs> I was good at that. I remember seeing your double loop many a time. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, there's nothing really. Maybe, maybe uh, the the Swedish influence I tried to make on you guys when you skated. Remember? Well, but I remember I, the Swedish influence coming through loud and clear at all your Christmas parties. Huh? I remember the Swedish influence coming through very strong at the Christmas parties. Yeah, well, <laughs> maybe that's what I want to be remembered for. We parties. got everybody together and had a good time. Yes. Yeah. yes. The Christmas parties. Because I think that was important. To me, that was very important that every we got together in, in a social manner and it was not all skating and business. Yeah, I, you know, I would say that's like what I remember Eddie Rada for, making me love figure skating, making me love the sport. And um, if we have done that for our students, I think that's wonderful. And I think the majority of them do. Mm -hmm. 
Well, when we look at the coaches that we have across the country today, you know, um, we've we've been blessed to have so many coaches that have had the opportunity to be mentored with coaches like yourselves and and many of our other coaches that we have within our history. So I'd have to say that, you know, it looks like things are looking well for Skate Canada. Um, I'd like to thank both of you so much for your time today. And um, is there anything else you'd like to say to our to our fans of the alumni blog before we sign off for today? Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And uh, I'm not retiring completely. <laughs> I'm teaching three times a week. And uh, I am subbing for a few coaches when they go away. And otherwise, I don't have any of my own students. I only have two, three of my own students still. But they probably retire soon. And after that, I'm just going to help them. Well, then, and lucky for them. Uh, Cynthia Young, you have yourself a wonderful day. Cynthia, congratulations on your retirement. Uh, maybe after a little while, you'll reconsider and uh, come back and uh, join us full time again. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thank Norman. Thank you, Norm. Thanks, thank Sarah. you all. Bye-bye. Thanks to Norm Proft for celebrating and sharing the personalities and talents of his former coaches, Jan and Cynthia Ulmark. And thank you once again for joining us on the Skate Canada Alumni Podcast. If you don't want to miss our upcoming monthly episodes, or you'd like to listen to our past episodes, you can subscribe by searching for Skate Canada Alumni Podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get them. You can also read many more alumni stories on our blog by visiting alumni.skatecanada.ca on your web browser. I'm Alex Kilby, inviting you to join us again next month for another edition of the Alumni Blog. See you then.